the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another episode of the Michelle Tafoya podcast. Today's episode, you'll see me, but you will not see our guest. The guest, we'll call her Taylor, is a filmmaker who produced the documentary Dead Name. It's an independent film about three kids whose parents see them through some form of transitioning their genders. And it's moving and it's frightening and it's important. And we're going to talk to the filmmaker next. It's time for the Michelle Tafoya podcast. Let me just read this description. Dead name lets us in on the inner thoughts, the struggles and the declarations to fight for children who feel lost to them. We have made dead name to open the conversation, humanize the subject from the perspective of parents and give them a voice. The fact that parents need that voice is so important right now. We need it in education and we need it in our children's health. And it is, uh, it, this is quite a timely topic. We're going to speak to the filmmaker. This is important and we're going to learn a lot. Um, and uh, hopefully you'll end up seeing the film as well. I want you to see something else. It's a great offer that we have for you. It's the biggest summer secret to a great looking, glowing summer complexion. It's a lot more than staying hydrated and using, you know, sunscreen. It's having great skincare products from our friends at GenuCell, G-E-N-U-C-E-L. Sun, humidity, dehydrated skin, covered with dark spots, and even puffier bags under your eyes. Now, these are issues everyone has, but thankfully, GenuCell has the perfect answer. Introducing GenuCell's beautifully curated Summer Essentials Package. This is a limited edition package that includes GenuCell's one-of-a-kind Ultra Retinol Super Moisturizer. Now, this uses a powerful plant extract alternative to retinol, so there are no harsh side effects, and it's perfectly safe to use in the summer sun. Plus, you'll get GenuCell's classic skincare therapy for under-eye bags and puffiness. This stuff works like a charm. And concentrated vitamin C serum to nourish your skin for a visibly clear complexion with a glow that will get you compliments everywhere you go. So where do you find it? GenuCell.com slash Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-E, one L. Right now, get your GenuCell Summer Essentials Package. And just for the summer, every subscription order includes a customized summer spa gift box absolutely free. Order now and every summer package includes GenuCell's immediate effects. Also free with its immediate effects. Results are guaranteed in 12 hours or less or your money back. Nothing to lose here. Don't wait. Genucel.com slash Michelle. Genucel.com slash M-I-C-H-E-L-E. Genucel.com slash Michelle. Coming up, Dead Name. It's a film you must know about. So you will not be seeing my guest's face today, and that is really kind of part of this story. Uh, but we're going to hear from her. Her name is Taylor, and she is the filmmaker of Dead Name, um, which you can go online if you want to check this out and go to deadnamedocumentary.com. You can watch the trailer. You can also 
by the film, and I'll just read quickly. Dead Name, the indie documentary, is not fiery or provocative or slick or political. Rather, it's an intimate portrait of three parents whose lives have been shaken and forever altered because their children have declared or have been given a transgender identity. So we'll start there. I'm so glad that you're willing to join us If just by voice. We appreciate it. What was the genesis of this documentary? What, what, what made you want to make this film? I saw a situation um, where people were deprived of a voice, um, particularly parents, on such a fundamental parenting issue um, that was eliciting so much panic and fear. And I felt called to tell this story. I was seeing um, this situation evolving in the community that I live in and in the world around me. And um, like many documentary makers, um, we're, we're called often to a project when we ourselves are trying to thatch through something that seems so <clears throat> complicated and inexplicable um, and even, you know, potentially harmful um, in our society, or at the very least, let's just say something that um, needs a discussion, that needs mm-hmm. a conversation. And as I waded into the project, now maybe four, three, four years ago, um, originally it was clear to me that there was there were parents suffering worldwide, certainly all over the nation, but they were afraid, and I know this is going to sound ironic because here I am not being seen, but they were afraid to be seen. They did not want to put their names or their faces um, on film and to this uh, to this story, to this situation. Um, and at first, we, uh, you know, we kind of, you know, uh, waded around um, in, in the weeds and learned a lot and spoke to, I probably spoke to upwards of 100 parents, maybe more. And I started to get their stories. And all along, I was thinking, well, unless I can humanize them, unless they are really willing to be seen and we can tell their stories with their faces and with their expressions and with their truth, that I, I didn't feel that I was going to be able to make the documentary that I wanted to make. Right. Um, but, but that train took a turn somewhere along the way, and we were very fortunate to earn the trust of um, Amy, Helen, and Bill, um, who are the three parents who take us deep into the world in which when uh, a, a child... Uh, either declares that they're trans as a 16-year-old or a 20-year-old or as a four-year-old who is sort of given a trans identity by an ex-spouse, um, that's, those are, those, the only way we felt that we could tell that story was to have them yeah. tell their stories. Yeah. You, uh, you mentioned that obviously you're not on camera. We're not using your full name. And there were a lot of parents who didn't want to go on camera because of that fear of we'll just call it cancel culture in general. But who would come after these parents who would come after you for, for making a film like this? Well, that's not a hypothetical question. Um, 
we know that um, films, our film, Dead Name, originally uh, was put up on Vimeo. And word spread quickly. Um, The sales came fast. The rentals came fast. Um, We were shocked and delighted and surprised. Um, And 35 days later, with no warning, Vimeo took us down. Um, we, uh, we, we were, we acted quickly and we got back up on our own platform within four hours and all of the hype around being canceled like that, you know, having the, um, trans lobby, I guess, um, come at Vimeo and demand to take the film down and to call something that, to call something quote hate speech, which I, we, we can certainly say is nothing more than love speech. Because Dead Name is all about the advocacy um, and the ferocity of parenting. Um, Yeah. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. It's a, getting to that notion of hate speech. It's, it's really unbelievable how the word hate is being used right now. And you, you mentioned the term trans lobby. At the day that you and I are sitting here recording this, there is a hearing in the Senate uh, in Washington, D.C., about trans women competing against biological women in college sports and other levels of sports. And one of the senators, Amy Klobuchar, from my state of Minnesota, w- with her turn, decided to turn it to hate speech and how the LGBTQ plus community is being targeted by hate right now, which has nothing to do with men competing against women in college sports. But and that was the way to get it back to this term of hate. And this is all about targeting and focusing your hate on a community. And I don't see that in this film. And I don't see that in this hearing. So this is what you're getting at is there is this, we'll use the air quotes, trans lobby that wants everyone to, to believe that it is out of hatred that these these facts are being presented, these stories are being told, these college athletes want fairness. This has very little to do with hate and very much to do with fairness and reality and truth and storytelling and parenting, as you said. So these three, first of all, I, I want to get to something, dead name. I know a lot of people know exactly what that means. I'm not one of them. So can you explain to me the title? What is... I'd love to hear from you who's done all the, all the work. Yeah. Well, dead name, um, is a term that, that, um, the, uh, the lobby uses 
um, or, or let's say uh, LBGTQ people use, uh, really, really, I think it's the, the transgender um, portion of that lobby uses to um, describe addressing uh, somebody who has transitioned with the name that they were given at birth. In and of itself, I think that there's something rather tragic um, about calling the name that parents gave a child dead. Um, and that extends not just to their name, but their, in their identity as well. Okay. And, and, and perhaps even everything that was symbolic of their childhood. So it, 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 it kind of, um, to me, it's, it's like an erasure. It's an attempt to erase. Okay. Okay. And so it's, it's very, it's a very, um, to me, it's a very big amorphous concept that's, that's like defined um, in a way that doesn't really uh, encompass everything that, that it, I think, aims to do. I mean, words, words are everything. They're everything to me and they're powerful. Now, we chose to go with dead name for our film. And I don't want to spoil um, this for, for people who haven't seen it yet. But um, in, in, in the hardest of the three parents' parents' case to watch, we have uh, Bill. And Bill's son um, has been uh, racked and riddled with cancer. And he's a college student. And out of the blue, he, he um, declares himself trans. And against the, the um, advice of endocrinologists and, and his father in particular, um, he is told not to start taking these um, cross-sex hormones. Because um, he's undergoing cancer treatment, I assume, right? right? Because, yes, because of the intervention of, of, of the drugs. And um, I don't want to really say exactly what happens because it's a, I don't want to give a, you know, a spoiler here. But yeah. the, the bottom line is that... Um, the term dead name is used uh, in the film mm -hmm. and um, it, you know, it, it's, it comes as a surprise to the parent himself because, you know, he's not familiar, you know, with, with, with this that term. term. Yeah. With that term. I mean, I think that term is the essence of manipulation. You know, I, I think that term is so harmful. It is such a disconnection um, not only, I suppose, of let's tell, a, you know, let, let's have a, a child believe that they're born in the wrong body uh, or that they were they were born a girl or now they're a boy or vice versa, but it, it erases all of their identity. So we learn from Amy that her 16-year-old doesn't want to remember anything that's happened prior to her decision to become trans. And so she's unable to enjoy a sentimental moment um, with her mother when she had uh, done some sort of a musical um, thing in, in New York City and her mother was reminiscing about this. And when, when she says that she doesn't want to talk about that, the child, the 16-year-old, the, the teen, what she's really saying is, my life starts here. Okay. My life starts here because I've declared myself trans. I'm a new, I have a new identity. I'm a new person. You know, if if we stop and think about this, what is it that a teen is 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 experiencing at this point? That to the point where they don't want to, they, they want to disconnect, they want to disassociate um, from everything that's happened to them to to that point. 
in and of itself, that concept is so um, treacherous, really. Yeah. It, you know, it's, I can't, I can't, the more you describe this, I can't imagine being one of these parents. And, and I, and then the third story you, you mentioned is a, is a four-year-old. What's the, the premise of that story? So in that story, and if you've seen our trailer, I don't know if you've seen the trailer. Yes, to the, I have. Oh, okay. Well, this is a, um, a, um, a couple, a lesbian couple, and they have a child and um, they split time. The, the child splits his time with the parents and one of the parents, not Helen, uh, in our film, um, has come to essentially assign this child with a trans identity. And so by the time this little boy is four, she's dyed his hair pink. She's dressing him like a girl. She's given him a new name. And what's the other parent? And what's I guess what's even more insidious is that uh, she, she takes uh, the, the child to the um, nursery school. And then the nursery school unquestioningly um, says, yes, now this child is Rosa. This child is now a girl. This is a trans child. At and four. At four. And the parent who, uh, who appears in our film and who tells her side of the story um, sees no, no, no inkling that this child is genuinely suffering with gender dysphoria. And I think this is worth noting, and I, because I will say this. Um, what, what has, the science has always uh, tended to believe that there are some infinitesimal number of children at very young age who do suffer gender dysphoria. And the science says 95 plus percent outgrow this. They, they come to become one with you know, their bodies or who they are, or possibly they become gay or, or what have you. And so it's what's really critical, I think, in that instance is if this child were gender dysphoria, that really would be seen at such a young age. What's become so alarming about the explosion of teen girls and teen boys uh, or college age kids suddenly declaring their, their transgender identity is that almost maybe all of, of these parents, um, the consensus is, is that they never saw any sign of this whatsoever up through this child's teen years. And yet what they do talk about is... Um, yes, but my child is on the autism spectrum. My child has suffered social anxiety. My child did have an eating disorder. My child was cutting himself or herself. The, what, the consensus that I have seen um, and certainly um, learned through everybody who I've spoken to and everything I've been exposed to is that I, I, I can't think of anybody who has described a child who hasn't been um, racked with some sort of trauma or some sort of issues okay you know um psychological issues this four-year-old child <clears throat> yes is the product of a contentious divorce <clears throat> but it 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 seems that there's nothing about um seemingly about the child um uh initiating the notion of gender dysphoria at least not from the point of view of helen in our film and you know this is a, a parent who, who had who was close with this child um, and uh, would have, would have, it would it would be contemporaneous. She would have seen it there and then, right. and that would have that's different than the parents who are having to have this come at them for children who are twelve, sixteen, eighteen, and twenty four. 
you know, that's that sort of range of age. You said earlier you spoke to hundreds of parents, many of whom obviously didn't want to go on camera, didn't want to be a part of the project. Were there specific threads that sort of wove, you know, that carried through the conversations that you had where you thought, this seems to be a commonality uh, that I'm seeing with, with a lot of these situations, a lot of these circumstances? Absolutely. And, 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 and this, is, this is what's being discussed, and, and I think we should, we should shift this conversation because I think that this is a medical conversation. So all of these children, I, I can't think of one conversation that did not include the idea that um, these children were um, either the product of adoption, international adoption, on the autism spec- spectrum somewhere, um, had all sorts of, of underlying comorbidities. Now, I'm not a psychologist and I'm not a physician, but what we do know is that children suffer. We live in a very difficult, disconnected, discombobulated, polarized, strange world, um, which, is, which has made it ripe to, to essentially to exploit children. And um, what's happened here is that... Um, we have, I think, that we have lost our way, um, particularly um, in the medical realm. I mean, yes, we could talk about drag queens, and yes, we could talk about sports. And I know that's, you know, that's a more of a. I, I know you know a lot about sports, and and yes, we we could even talk about. And I was I was going to mention uh, the latest um, situation with with actually I think it is more relevant with the judge dismissing the ban in Arkansas and I'll try to circle back to that okay. in a moment for gender care but what we're really talking about is um, children who have legitimately suffered sexual traumas other kinds of traumas you know uh, all sorts of, of issues and and they are at sea or they are lost or they are off kilter and they are looking for, um, you know, something to to a salve. They are looking to feel better. Um, we can all remember when we were those that age, adolescents, through our teens. Mm. You know, it, it was it was for most of us. It was it was you know, it, it, we were searching for ourselves. We were stumbling through the dark, and the the the, the options and possibilities. You know, range. They might have been uh, tattoos or bell bottoms, or they might have been motorcycles, or they might have been, you know, drugs. I mean, they might have been a lot of things, but they weren't life, not to this degree, were they so life altering in a way that um, where where you essentially have collusion with the medical industry. And this is what really makes this topic the most confounding. And unfortunately, I think um, it's been the topic. It, well, it's really interesting. This is this is interesting. When I was preparing, even when I was preparing to release the film, um, we were only just starting to have enough of a lexicon nationally to even try to discuss. If, if you want to call that, if you want to call what we're doing discussing, to even be bandying about with this with this issue, it's so large, it's so complicated. Um, now, what's happened in these last six months between the rash of legislation through the red states, uh, through the 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 you know Budweiser and Target and 
and drag queens and 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 you know uh, the politicians appropriating the issue. We've got this oleo. We've got this stew around this word. And on what's to me, I guess what's the most frustrating is we're burying the most important part of this issue, which is the medical side. I mean, you know, if children and teens were saying I'm trans and they were just cutting their hair or growing their hair or dressing differently, most likely the, the parents I've spoken to, we it wouldn't have been a story. Right. Uh, it might have they might have been bummed out. They might have been, oh God, my beautiful you know daughter looks you know like a like a boy or whatever. But it's it's the medical track that terrifies the parents, and that is the that is the theme that runs through Dead Name, and that is what is unifying parents around the world. Um, is this fear of watching what is happening to their children as they set out on this medical course. And that is what we are going to be discussing if and when this case from Arkansas, which is now headed to the Eighth Circuit, ends up potentially in the Supreme Court. That is the issue that we actually have to attenuate in this country in order to figure out whether we think that, that children should be on this medical path and whether this medical path should be so easy and fluid. Well, here's another question I have about that, because I do I do get really pissed off at doctors who say, yeah, you could either have a dead son or, a, you know, a, a, a beautiful or a daughter. Yeah, that trope, that trope is very worn out. It, it really is. But uh, apparently some parents are still buying this. Now, a lot of parents will go into a doctor's office and assume that the what the doctor knows is correct. And the doctor is following the science and the doctor knows and but the parents have to take a certain measure of responsibility in this right i mean if the doctor said really we just we need to do a a double mastectomy here i think i would say no damn way until my child's brain is fully developed you know until they're 25 and they want to take care of it themselves no we're going to get talk therapy we're going to get other kinds of therapy whatever the child needs but i'm not letting you cut open my kid so I mean, what, where is the culpability? Is there, is it a 50, 50 proposition? Is this, where do the parents, you know, where is their accountability in this? Well, see, that's exactly why we made the film we made because um, just as we were releasing the film, that's when this whole rash of, of the red States um, proposing or passing legislation began. And I remember thinking, Oh, that's good. And then I remember thinking, ah, maybe not. And the, the reason is, is um, because now this is political and it's going to be caught up in the courts. And really where this conversation needs to happen is amongst parents, is in the schools, is um, in at the grassroots level mm-hmm. where parents band together and talk about this with each other mm-hmm. so find a comfort level and so that they can gain a confidence in pushing back on this and not feel that they are going to be excommunicated in their own communities or that they are the outliers mm-hmm. because in so much of the of the country i mean it, it, probably even in 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 red states um to, to outwardly, uh, you know, oppose this sort of thing 
is 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 like taking a risk. Yeah, and it is. Still, and in blue states, forget it. Yeah, forget it. I mean, as a parent, I mean, you you, you don't have you, you you know you're you, you're like you're like endangering your reputation. Which is yeah. that part of this is sickening, and it's so troubling. And the fact that we even the the the, the terminology parental rights is in the lexicon today that we have to fight for our right to protect our kids, to make decisions for our kids that they aren't equipped to make for themselves. And that, no, 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 you know what? We're going to turn California, Minnesota, Illinois, whatever, into a sanctuary state for trans youth, and they can come here and get the gender-affirming care that they need. You know, we, we don't let them drive until they're 16. We don't let them vote until they're 18. We don't let them drink until they're 21. But at four, at six, at eight, they can say, you know, I'd really like to get my boobs cut off. Um, yeah, I, I, to me, this is insanity and my hope, and I, I wonder what the feedback has been to you. My hope is that because I have a, a sneaking suspicion that the vast majority of people, humans don't care what political stripes they have. Think this is lunacy. And I think, yeah, do you think I that's think, true? I think parents who've been touched by this, um, have the luxury of leaving their religion and their politics at the door. Um, because when this is happening to you and your child, nothing else really matters. Here's what the, here's what the problem is though. The problem is, is that, um, so a lot of, let's say kids, teens, they'll get caught up in this. It'll become a flag. They fly. It will become cool to, to, um, to use the language, yeah. uh, you know, maybe dabble, okay? But probably the percentage of kids that then start on the cross-sex home hormones or the puberty blockers, it's probably, and nobody really, this is the thing, we, we don't have numbers, but okay. it's probably a much smaller percentage. So think about it this way. You have to rely on a small group of parents who have been touched by this, who have been, you know, scarred by this, um, to galvanize a much, much bigger parental um, grassroots movement mm-hmm. to, 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 to move the needle. Um, you know, the, the equivalency I think about sometimes is um, mad mothers against drunk drivers. Yes, yes. You know, I mean, knock wood. Most of us probably have not, thank God, had a child killed by a driver. But somehow we can non-controversially get our head around that is just a bad thing Mm -hmm. and those parents need support. This this, uh, topic has so much interference that it has to run that that it finds itself tripping over itself all the time. Mm. Because what fight are we, you know, are we fighting? Yeah. Are we fighting against drag queens? Are we fighting against books? Are we, and, and to, really, to me, the answer is nope. What we're fighting against is the medicalization of children. I, all the rest of it, to me, is theater. All the rest of it, yes, it has consequences. It has, it's, there is value probably to discuss it. But until we can, you know, clear the way... And look at this straight on as a medical issue and say, wait a minute, where's the science? Yeah. Where really, truly, I mean, that that's the problem is the, is the mainstream media um, keeps repeating the same 
you know, notions of, of what is allegedly, um, uh, you know, safe or what is allegedly, um, uh, you know, uh, recommended. And there's, I really don't think there's a lot of science beneath it. Um, and I, what I do know is I know the, the, the anguish of parents um, who have, have not only watched their children get on these medical tracks, but lost their children. Yeah. I mean, the film is really about two things. It is about the, the fear of the medicalization, but it's also about the fracture of the family that occurs when, when these children, you know, become so convinced that they need to alter themselves medically and the parents will simply not affirm this. And then what you really have is the fracture of the family. Yeah. So that's, that's where my focus is on the film. And I want the film to galvanize parents, whether or not they've been directly impacted by the medicalization or whether they're, you know, whether they're, if they're especially if they're raising young children yes. to think about what, what they might, what they will be facing yeah. And in, in a climate, you know, that, that you know, now it's in, in sunlight. Before it was, it wasn't. Well, let's hope there's more sunlight to come. Dead Name is the film. You can go to deadnamedocumentary.com, buy it, watch the trailer. Is that the only place to get it, or where else can they look? So Dead Name Documentary, you can uh, rent it. You can, um, you can screen it, um, you know, stream it. Uh, and now we've just added DVDs, so you can buy a DVD. Congratulations on the film. It's a worthwhile uh, piece of work that I, I hope um, people will watch. And it's this, I, I respect that you are under a lot of pressure and a lot of, um, you have good reason to not want to reveal your full name and your face right now. And I wish you nothing but the best ahead. And, and this is a courageous project. So good on you. Thanks. Thank you very much for giving me the time for, you know, taking the time on this topic. And um, I think that we as a nation society, we're going to be talking about this for a long time. Which is also very frightening. But the more we talk, maybe we can uh, make some progress on this in whatever direction that progress takes shape. Deadnamedocumentary.com. I'm Michelle Tafoya. Thanks for listening. And as always, what I say at the end of every podcast is to be brave and do good. Thanks a lot. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com